0: hey my name is matt Poole and this is unapologetically catholic the podcast where we dive into the different doctrines dogmas and beliefs of the catholic faith to help explain why i personally am unapologetically catholic and why i think that you should be too this week we are going to talk about mary uh, it's something that actually this marian dogmas was the hardest thing for me to wrap my mind around into, um, the, well, the Marian dogmas were the, was the hardest thing for me to agree to before becoming Catholic. Um, it it was the biggest holdup for me becoming Catholic, but now that I'm Catholic and fully understand the Marian dogmas and the why and the how and, and everything else, um, it's probably one of my favorite things. Um, so, yeah, I love Mary and I love talking about Mary. So uh, with that, let's get into it. All right. Well, thanks for um, joining in this week on this episode. Like I said, we're going to talk about um, Mary and um Just as a forewarning, if I sound like I've got a little bit more pep in my step, that's because we, or not we, I am recording this um, in the morning, and I'm just finishing up my coffee. I haven't had all of it yet, but most of it's gone, Um, so I'm feeling a little more energetic. Most times I record this at night. This week, it worked out to where I'm recording it during the day, so um, I may be a little bit more excited than normal. I don't know. Anyways, um, yeah, so like I said uh, in the intro, Marian Dogmas was, for me, it was the... So if you listen to my conversion story, I always talk about there's like three phases where it was kind of like, yeah, I need to, you know, I need to um, disprove Catholicism. And then it kind of turned into, well, maybe Catholicism is another denomination you can choose. And then at the very, very end, for a short period of time, it was... Um, you know, I had a very strong, heavy pull to Catholicism. Um, and I think at the end of that second phase where it was, you know, where I kind of thought, oh, this is just another like denomination that you can pick. I The thing that held me back the most was the Marian dogmas. So I was like, yeah, I mean, I would be Catholic. I love the liturgy. I love the like respect and the mass and just like the reverence and you know you just don't get that in uh, well at least in the protestant churches i grew up in. you didn't have the same kind of like beauty and reverence that you did um in the the catholic mass so i was like yeah i mean i would love to go but you got to believe this stuff about marion i just don't i i can't agree to it um and it was really the biggest roadblock there at the end and like i said in the intro since i've studied and looked into it and this was a long process so this was not like an overnight like i i don't know i didn't have some um light bulb moment i guess where it was like i was very against marian dogmas and then all of a sudden it was like oh there it is i agree to all of it now uh, it was a very long process it took a long time it took a lot of study it took a lot of prayer um, But now, being Catholic, um, you know, one thing I would always hear Catholics say is, like, well, Mary just points to Jesus. And I would always think, well, yeah, you guys keep saying that. And I get it. (laughs) But you have statues of Mary. And you have, like, a big prayer to Mary. The rosary. You have songs to Mary. Like, what do you mean that Mary points you to Jesus more? I don't understand it. And now being, I guess, on this side of things, it's been incredible um, to see in in my own personal life, like how Mary really does point us to Jesus. Um, and it's crazy because I was someone who was like, the, very, the polar opposite, like I was like, yeah, no, that's not, <laughs> that's not true. You guys, there's no way. You can't have statues of someone and say that they point to someone else when you're like going and kissing the feet of a Mary statue. That doesn't make any sense. Um, but now it, it really, really does. She really does. Um, that is what Mary does even now for us, uh, and reading back on her life in the Bible, even points us even there, um, more towards her son. Uh, so this week we, there's four Marian dogmas in the Catholic church. And I kind of want to, I'm going to briefly go over all four. And then kind of dive into a couple of them a little bit more. Um, And then later in the episode, we'll talk about... There's a lot of, like, scripture connection between the Old Testament and um, Mary in the New. So I kind of want to bounce back and forth between those two. Um, But, okay, the four Marian dogmas in the Catholic Catholic Church are the Immaculate Conception, which is that Mary was conceived without original sin. Um, and then we've got her perpetual virginity. So Mary was always a virgin. Um, and then we have the assumption, which is that she is bodily, like she's in heaven now, body and soul, like her body was assumed into heaven with her soul. Um, and that she is the mother of God. Um, so, and also just... Real quick on the assumption, I think in a earlier episode, I have a friend who listens to the podcast from time to time, and uh, I think he said that I may have misspoke about the assumption earlier. So uh, just to clarify, when we say that we believe in the assumption, it's not that I think I had said something that Mary did not die. Um, I think there is, and I may be wrong on this, so feel free to fact check me on everything I say, but especially this, cause this one I'm a little more unsure of, but um, I, know, I, I, I know that the church teaches that Mary was bodily assumed. I don't know if Mary died or if she did not die first, but I think there's some kind of like wiggle room in there. Some people, I think in the Catholic church will say, well, Mary died and then Jesus, you know, like God brought Mary to heaven, body and soul. And so now she's alive in heaven, body and soul. And I think some people may say, no, she never died. Um, She just was taken up into heaven, body and soul. Either way, uh, the church teaching is that Mary right now is physically and spiritually in heaven. Like her physical body is there with her spiritual, uh, with her soul. Um, So anyways, let's get into the catechism here. Um, And sorry, I have... I have a home office and I record this in my home office and I have a desk that's, um, it's like the Grinch, Grinch's heart. It's like 10 times too small or 10 sizes too small, whatever it is. (laughs) I I don't have enough room um, on my desk. So if you hear a bunch of things crash to the ground, uh, that's why. But anyways, um, okay. So first we're going to look at uh, Mary's Immaculate Conception because that was something that like for me and growing up as well, I was always like, okay, but <laughs> you're saying that Mary never sinned. Like I didn't I didn't understand the Immaculate Conception for a while. It was something that I just thought Catholics believed Mary was was, was sinless. Um, I did not know for quite a while that Catholics believed that no, like when Mary was conceived, she was conceived without original sin um and so then like i already had an aversion to mary's sinlessness and then when i heard that catholics believe that like mary was conceived without original sin i had an even more like uh (laughs) an even stronger version aversion to it because i was like what do you mean the bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god how can all fall short of the glory of god and how can all sin if you are saying that Mary is sinless. Like that clearly is a contradiction in, in the Bible. You, it, like, you Catholics aren't making any sense is what I would believe. Um, but like I said, it, it, a lot of study and prayer and um, digging into the topic is what helped me to understand it better. So uh, the first paragraph in the Catechism here is gonna be paragraph 490. And uh, let's see, it says, ah, sorry, I lost my page here. Okay, 490. Uh, it says, to become the mother of the Savior, Mary was enriched by God with gifts appropriate to such a role. The angel Gabriel at the moment of the Annunciation salutes her as full of grace. In fact, in order for Mary to be able to give the free assent of her faith to the announcement of her vocation, it was necessary that she be wholly born by God's grace. Uh, so this kind of it helps explain like well like I said the immaculate conception Um, if it were not for God's grace Mary would not have been immaculately conceived and for Mary to correctly to respond to the annunciation of the angel Gabriel she had to be full of grace Um, so God it wasn't it's not that like mary or mary's parents were just good enough or they on their own were sinless or they were like the best possible people they could be it is strictly that god gave um grace to mary to keep her from original sin uh to so that she would be conceived without sin because it was necessary for mary to be sinless so that one she could correctly respond to the annunciation of the angel gabriel and two, so that she could bear God himself. I mean, we do—we all believe, whether you're Catholic, Protestant, what, no matter what Christian thing you fall under, we all agree that Jesus is God, right? Um, and th- we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but uh, if you think back to the Old Covenant, or like the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant was very, very highly regarded. Like, you know, we have the story in the Old Testament where the Ark of the Covenant fell, someone went to touch it, and they touched the outside of the Ark of the Covenant, and they died. They didn't do anything with the things inside of the Ark of the Covenant. Um, It was strictly just the outside of the Ark of the Covenant that they touched, and they were struck down by God because of it. Um, So there's a connection there. Um, (laughs) and, and, and we'll get into it later, but anyways, uh, yes. So Mary was conceived without sin, but it is because of God's grace and the merits of Jesus that she was, um, able to do so. So like, let's, okay. This next paragraph in the catechism, paragraph 491, it says through the centuries, the church has become ever more aware that Mary full of grace through God was redeemed for the moment of her conception. That is what the dogma of the Immaculate Conception confesses. As Pope Pius IX proclaimed in 1854, the most blessed Virgin Mary was, from the first moment of her conception, by a singular grace and privilege of Almighty God, and by virtue of the merits of Jesus Christ, Savior of the human race, preserved immune from all stain of original sin. So, that's how we can say like with the bible yes it is true that all have all have sinned and fallen fallen short of the glory of god um there is there's none that are sinless mary in and of herself is not sinless but because of the merits of jesus christ and god's grace she can be conceived without original sin she can be kept from sin for her entire life like if we left it up to mary I could see where someone would say, that's crazy, you're putting too much emphasis on Mary. But, but we're not leaving it up to Mary. It's, it's by the merits of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that he made for everyone, and by the grace that God gave her. I, if, if, she, if she can't remain sinless, then... It, well, okay, no, that's not the right way to say it. I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this. It's not impossible for God to keep someone sinless right? That's why I'm saying if it, if it was up to Mary alone, yes, I would probably still be Protestant if the Catholic Church said, oh, it's strictly like Mary was just good enough. She just happened to be like perfect. Um, but that's not what the Catholic Church says. The Catholic Church says it is because of God and it is because of Jesus' sacrifice that Mary remains sinless. And I believe that God can keep any... A human being sinless for any period of time for any purpose um, Because he's God he could do whatever he wants um, And and so I have no problem with saying that God kept someone free from sin from the moment of their conception till their death um, and I think that's a very important thing to remember because a lot of times I think Well, I, okay me personally. I know that before I became Catholic, I would hear like uh, Catholics believe in the Immaculate Conception and they believe that Mary was sinless. But that's where I stopped. I didn't look into it anymore. I didn't go, why do they believe that? How do they say that she remained sinless if she was a human being? I just heard Mary is sinless. Oh, look, the Catholic Church is putting too much emphasis on Mary. She's a human being like everyone else. But then when you kind of like... Just do a little bit of research into the Catechism. You come to understand that, like, it is not because of Mary just being perfect because she was that good of a person. Um, No one can do it. No one can be sinless. No one has no any hope of being sinless apart from God's grace. Um, So now to kind of move on a little bit here. Um, Let's see where where were we going? Oh, yes. Next. Uh, we're going to talk about the, uh, well, let's do this. Let's talk about the perpetual virginity. So we believe that Mary was always, uh, was a virgin always, like, um, she never lost her virginity. Uh, so I know that Mary and Joseph were married and I know that There's a couple of places in the Bible, and I would say the same thing. There's places in the Bible where it talks about Jesus, brothers, and sisters. Um, So now the Catholic Church does not have a... uh, doesn't have a specific... What's the right word for it? Dogma on why... Like on on the possibility of Jesus' siblings, right? So there's a couple of different things that there, there's a couple of different options that there could be. So just like with the assumption that like the main thing is that Mary is in heaven, body and soul right now, um, whether she died first or whether she didn't die first, uh, the church doesn't really say, but it does say that Mary is, like the main point is that Mary is fully body and soul in heaven right now. Um, same thing with her perpetual virginity. It, it, it The main point is that Mary was was kept a virgin for her entire life did jesus have siblings we don't know um and i the reason i say that is because there are some people who say that um joseph had children from another marriage like he had a wife his wife died and um joseph and his first wife had children so then jesus would have siblings but not through mary Right, so like Jesus is the only son of Mary. Uh, she's the only, or he is the only child of Mary. Some some people say that no, there that Joseph was never married and Joseph never had any other children. We don't really know. There's back and forth about it. The church doesn't really define that, but it just does say that Mary was kept a virgin. Um, some of those places in the Bible where it talks about uh, um, about. Jesus' brothers and sisters, uh, the word that it uses for brother and sister can also be used for like an uncle cousin relationship. Uh, And it is used in the scripture as that same original language word. I'm sorry, I don't know if it's Greek or Hebrew. I don't know the exact language, but the original language word in the scripture that's used to talk about Jesus, brothers and sisters can also be used for um, like an uncle, like I said, uncle-cousin relationship, and it is used for that in the scripture. Um, so, uh, th- now that I kind of just wanted to briefly touch on that a little bit. I don't know that I really wanted to go into that much more, but if you have more questions on it, let me know. I'm happy to go into it in more detail if you want me to. <laughs> um, but now to kind of move a little bit on to Mary being the mother of God. Um, Let's see, so uh, let me find the right place in the Catechism here. Okay, here we go. Uh, It's uh, paragraph 495 in the Catechism. It says, uh, called in the Gospels, the mother of Jesus, Mary is acclaimed by Elizabeth at the prompting of the Spirit, and even before the birth of her son, as the mother of my Lord. In fact, the one whom she conceived as man by the Holy Spirit who truly became her son according to the flesh was none other than the father's eternal son, the second person of the Holy Trinity. Hence the church confesses that Mary is truly mother of God, or I'm probably going to butcher this theotokos. I've heard theotokos or theotokos. I'm not really exactly how to sure how to say it. I'm not a good uh, person with foreign languages, so I don't know. (laughs) Um, But yes. So, okay. I think this the Catechism points out something that I think is really important to um, pay attention to. And anyways, uh, it talks about Elizabeth's greeting. So when Mary, um, she receives the Annunciation from the angel Gabriel, and then it, the Bible says that Mary arose and went with haste, and then she went and visited Elizabeth. So when Elizabeth sees Mary, um, she calls Mary the mother of my Lord. So with... Uh, Mary and Elizabeth being still people of the old covenant because the was, I guess it was this beginning of the new covenant coming, but the new covenant had not come yet. So when Elizabeth said the mother of my Lord, she was talking about God, right? So no one had knew, no one had known about Jesus. Jesus was not alive yet. Jesus was not around yet. So, so when elizabeth would when elizabeth was talking to mary and would say the mother of my lord she was referring to god and also we all christians today whether you're catholic, protestant, uh eastern orthodox, no matter what kind of like christian sect I guess you could say that you fall under, we all believe and understand that jesus is fully god. So if so when catholics say mary is the mother of god we mean that not that mary is mother of god the father mary is not the mother of god the father she is not in authority over god the father and she's not over authority in a spiritual sense over even god the son jesus she is she was a when she was his mother i mean she was She was Jesus' mother, so she was like physically and earthly over authority in authority over him. Because yes, he is fully God, but he also made himself fully man at the same time. So Jesus submitted himself to his parents' authorities, which this kind of goes back to like I was saying uh, earlier that some of these Marian dogmas I really had issues with, and now it's it's just incredible being on the Catholic side of things now, I guess, I guess I could say, but being a Catholic now and understanding the Marian dogmas, the, the, um, full humanity and full Godness, the full divinity of Jesus being one in the same thing. I, I, I thought that I fully understood it as a Protestant, but once I really started looking into the Marian dogmas and really started understanding Mary, um, Man, I like have a deeper understanding and a deeper love and appreciation for what Jesus did more than I even, it's like deeper and wider than I ever thought that it could be. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but I hope that it does. So if we believe that Jesus is fully God and he came down from heaven, he was conceived in Mary's womb he submitted himself to his mother's authority while still remaining God and still being fully human, um, then Mary is the mother of God because Jesus is fully God. So that's something, calling Mary the mother of God, that is something that I was told was very wrong as a child and a teenager and I fully agreed that that was way 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 wrong (laughs) to call Mary the mother of God because you know it I would always think you what do you mean you're calling Mary the mother of God there is no way that Mary can be God's mother God does not have a mother he does not he's so high he's so great and it came from a, a place of like reverence and respect and love for God and and almost like um, maybe I, I you could even say came from like a fear of God, but not a, a fear in like an unhealthy way, but a fear in like a uh, very reverent respect for who God is. Um, but then becoming a Catholic, I really thought about it, and I was like, yeah, but but that's what God chose to do. <laughs> he chose to come down as a baby. He was he was a embryo he was a fetus he was a little itty-bitty innocent like unhelpful or not unhelpful he couldn't uh, helpless baby right like okay I have a um gosh how old is Emma my youngest is like just a few months old now four months old I have four kids and my oldest is five and a half and my youngest is four-ish months old um and and to look at all of them and go God the Son came down from heaven and became, like, was just like them. Now, he was not like them in the sense that they have original sin, like, they had the stain of original sin, um, and they can sin. Um, Jesus did not have that, right? So, like, Jesus absolutely was still God, so he did not sin, and he had no stain of original sin, but he was still a child. Like, he had to rely on his mother for food. He had to rely on his mother to keep him warm. He had to rely on his mother for comfort and and for that motherly love that only a mom can give. Um, and it's not that like... But he did all that while still remaining fully God, but he chose to come down and and be just like a child, be fully human as we are fully human, except for sin, um, so that he could save us from our sins. And so that's why I talk about like some of these Marian dogmas that I really was against that now, like now that I fully understand them, it really has opened my eyes to an even deeper understanding of who Jesus is, who God is, and, and the love that, that God has for us. Um, you know, it's, I I would always just look to the sacrifice that Jesus made as the thing that saved us, which absolutely is incredibly important. And if Jesus had not died on the cross, we would have no hope of salvation, but he also like his life, death and resurrection all are extremely important. And growing up, I kind of would always go, well, yeah, Jesus lived, but like, and he taught and the things that he taught were extremely important, but like kind of like just skip to the good part of it right like the the his death and resurrection that's that's what saves us right so that's what we really need to look to and i kind of would skip over the fact that no he lived for 30 something years like he grew up he was an infant he was he was a helpless babe like he couldn't he couldn't feed himself food at 4 months old just like my 4 month old baby can't feed herself food he Like needed help learning how to crawl. He needed help learning how to walk. He needed help learning how to get dressed in the morning. Like, like he was fully a human being. I'm sorry, I'm laboring this point to death, but I I think it's important, and it's something that, for me, has been really incredible to to deepen my understanding, uh, for the love of God. And I and I just want to kind of explain that to you listening to this Um, because if you're not a Catholic and maybe you were like me and you kind of have some of these super hesitations towards some of the Marian dogmas um, because it seems like the Catholic Church is putting too much emphasis on Mary just want to hit the point home that it it does not the Marian dogmas don't bring more attention to Mary and that Mary truly does point to Uh, Her son, Jesus, she is always pointing us to her son. Um, So I think that maybe I've labored that (laughs) point to death. But uh, just a a couple more things on um, Elizabeth's Elizabeth's greeting to Mary when Mary came to visit in the Bible. Um, Elizabeth was like, what's the right word to say? She was... Shocked, I guess, or just like humbled and joyful to see the mother of her Lord. So, you know, when Mary came, Elizabeth said, and how is it that the mother of my Lord come to me? So I think that even Elizabeth understood the importance of Mary coming and bringing Jesus in a sense to her, like Mary, Jesus was in Mary's womb, right? And Elizabeth didn't go, how is it that the Lord come to me? Or how is it that the Lord came to visit me? Or how is it that that God brought his son to me? But she says, how is it that the mother of my Lord comes comes to me? Um, Not that like Mary is more important than Jesus or God. I think I've explained that well enough. But that just to put emphasis on the fact that like wow like how is it that how is it that the ark of the new covenant is coming to me um just like you know the ark of the old covenant was an extremely important thing i think i already said it maybe i didn't but just like the ark of the old covenant when in the old testament story when the ark of the old covenant fell and the person tried to grab it to save it from touching the ground because they didn't want it to touch the ground. They touched the outside of the Ark of the Covenant, and they were and he was struck dead. Right. It wasn't that he touched the things on the inside of the Ark of the Covenant, which was the that was the important stuff. Right. Like that was the the important main thing was on the inside of the Ark of the Covenant. Though the out the the Ark of the Covenant itself was very ornate it was set up in a very particular manner it had to be a very specific way so that it could carry um the things on the inside of the ark but even when the person who tried to catch the old ark of the covenant touched it and died same there's some like connection there between mary being the new ark of the covenant and uh the old ark of the covenant and that's i will go into that a little bit later um into a little bit more detail but um so uh, El- Elizabeth understood that Mary was the mother of God um and and like yes Jesus is fully God Mary was Jesus mother so Mary is the mother of God she is not the mother of God the son or sorry she is not the mother of God the father and she is not the f- mother of god the holy spirit she is the mother of god the son um she's not higher than jesus she's not better than jesus because like i said earlier it was only by jesus merits and by his sacrifice that she was saved in the first place but god chose to that was god that was god's plan of salvation so we're not elevating mary but we're just recognizing what God chose to do through Mary, um, which is bring about the salvation of the world. Uh, Because God filled her with grace and because he kept her from original sin and from sin her entire life, Mary was then able to respond, and she did respond and say yes to the annunciation of the angel Gabriel. Um, And that yes to the angel Gabriel brought about the salvation of the world not through her own power, not through her own anything. I'd want to make sure that I that I make the point uh, that, yes, Mary's yes was extremely important, and yes, it was necessary for Mary to say yes to the angel, but it was not because Mary had enough power in and of herself to say yes to the angel uh, that brought about the salvation of the world. It's only because Mary was first kept from original sin by Jesus' merits and by God's grace, and she was filled of full of grace uh, that she was able to say yes. So, okay. Um, So now I kind of want to talk about, like I said in the beginning, a little bit about connections between the Old and New Testament and uh, especially the Ark of the Covenant. But first I want to read... Uh, 1 Kings 2, let's see, um, uh, let's start, <clears throat> okay, let's start in verse 12, uh, 1 Kings 2, 12, it says, then Solomon sat on the throne of David, his father, and his kingship was established, I'm sorry, I'm really bad with the names too, Ad- Adonijah, son of Haggith, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. Do you come in peace, she asked? In peace, he answered. And he added, I have something to say to you. She replied, speak. So he said, you know that the kingship was mine, and all Israel expected me to be king. But the kingship passed me by and went to my brother. By the Lord's, By the Lord's will, it went to him. But now there is one favor I would ask of you. Do not refuse me. And she said, speak on. He said, please ask King Solomon, who will not refuse you to give me Abishag, the Shunammite, to be my wife. Bathsheba replied, very well. I will speak to the king for you. Then Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. And the king stood up to meet her and paid her homage. Then he sat down upon his throne, and a throne was provided for the king's mother, who sat at his right. So, uh, and that ended it, verse 19. So it was 1 Kings 2, 12 through 19. So I just kind of wanted to show, there's a couple of things there in that story that are like a connection to Mary and Jesus' relationship. So Bathsheba, well, okay, so Solomon was at this time now king, right? And Mary, uh, sorry, Bathsheba was, would be the queen. Um, It's not like a king and queen like we know it today, like a husband and a wife is king and queen. Uh, It would be the king would be Solomon, and then his mother would be the queen or Bathsheba. So uh, just to kind of, well, I'm going to start closer to the end of the verse. So we call Mary the queen of heaven and earth, right? Uh, Catholics call Mary the queen of heaven and earth. Why do we call Mary the queen, and he- queen of heaven and earth? Well, because Jesus is the king, right? And Mary is his mother. So if Mary is Jesus' mother, and Jesus is king, then it would make sense that like in this story in the Old Testament, where Solomon was Bathsheba's son, that and he was king, that made Bathsheba queen, then mary being the mother of jesus is the queen and what is jesus king over he's king over heaven and earth so what does that make mary queen over mary is queen over heaven and earth um it this is this is kind of all goes back to like uh i was saying earlier that god filled her full of grace and that is like she had a purpose and a reason um she needed to be set apart for something. And so this is what she was set apart for. Um, So then to kind of move up to the beginning verses, verses like 12 through 18, um, we can see that um, Adonijah wanted something from the king. And why didn't he just go to the king himself? Why didn't he just go talk to Solomon himself? There's a lot of times where and we'll do an episode on this later about like prayer to Mary and the saints. So we believe that we are, just briefly on prayer to the saints and Mary, we believe that we are all one family of God. There's not a like alive family of God and dead family of God. There is one family of God, right? So we can ask the saints in heaven and Mary to pray for us for certain things. So Adonijah thought, I know, I want something from the king, but instead of, like, I need to ask his mother. And and right here, um, ah, where is it? He says, uh, okay, please ask King Solomon, who will not refuse you, to give Abishag, the Shuman, Shunammite, to be my wife. So, uh, not that, like... Bathsheba would twist Solomon's arm or like she had some kind of authority over him or she would force him to do anything um but it but like that's she's the queen Bathsheba is the queen and Solomon is her son so like I I don't know if if you have a good relationship with your mom I have a very good relationship with my mom I love her to death um shout out mom if you're listening (laughs) uh um, if you have a good relationship with your mother, then like if your mom asks you to do something, like you want to please your mother, you want to make your mom happy. You want to like if she asks you for things within reason, you want to do them right. So it's the same with Mary and Jesus, and we can see this at the wedding feast in Cana. Mary, Mary went to Jesus and said, "They have no, they have no more wine." And then what did he do? he turned the water into wine, right? So maybe he would have done that without her asking. I, you know, I'm, I'm sure that if he wanted to, he would have like, it's not that Mary had to ask him to make more wine, but it, that's his mom. And he said, they have, they don't have any more wine. And so then she turned to the servants. And then after he responded to her, uh, then she responded to the servants and said, just do whatever he tells you, right? So like Jesus didn't say yes or no. I mean, I guess maybe if you read the story, maybe it sounds like more of he was saying no, because he said, what concern is that to me or you for my hour has not yet come? Um, but then Mary, even after he said that, looked at the servants and said, just do whatever he tells you to do. Um, so, you know, it's, this, it's the same. It, it is the same even now. Uh, we can go to Mary and ask her to ask things uh, from her son on our beh- behalf. I think that I said that correctly, but I may have said that in a very confusing way. Um, just like in this story, where uh, Adonijah wanted something from the king, but he went to her mother and asked, went to his mother, and asked his mother to go ask him for Adonijah, same thing we can do with Mary. Now, does that mean that, like, like, I don't know, we believe that Jesus is just too far detached and we're too far separated and we can't go ask Jesus directly for ourselves? No, not at all. That is not what that means at all. Um, but it does mean that, that well, we agree with the Bible, like where it says that the prayers of a, of a righteous man avails much, who's more righteous than than Mary? If Mary was full of grace, if she was kept from orig- even original sin by the merits of Jesus, then it, like who's more righteous than her, right? Um, so why would we not go ask her to ask her son for things? We can absolutely go directly to Jesus. We can go directly to God. We can ask them, you know, ourselves all day long, and there's no problem with it. We. You know it's not like we're too scared to go talk to god the father he's a loving father who desires to hear from us right he desires to for us to ask him questions but like why why not why not do both why not why not pray to god yourself and also ask the mother of god mary to ask for things as well on our behalf um so that's you know I kind of just wanted to make that brief connection there in the scripture. And then also, like I was talking earlier, um, I referred to, I think it was a couple of times that um, Mary, like the old Ark of the Covenant, is the Ark of the New Covenant. And I have a few different, like, connections here. So I'll go back and forth. So I'll explain, like, here's the thing of the Old Covenant, here's some scripture, And here's the description in the New Testament of Mary and some scripture. So I won't read through all the scripture, but I'll give you the scripture verses to go read um, yourself. And when you have some time, write these down and go look them up yourself because it's really neat to see the connection between the Old Ark of the Covenant and Mary as the New Ark of the Covenant. Um, So the Old Ark of the Covenant, uh, the Ark traveled to the house of Obed-Edom, in the hill country of Judea. That's Second Samuel six one through eleven. And then we have Mary traveled to the house of Elizabeth and Zechariah in the hill country of Judea, Luke one thirty nine. Uh, and then dressed as a priest, David danced and leapt in front of the ark. That's 2 Samuel six fourteen. John the Baptist, of priestly lineage, leapt in the mother's womb at the approach of Mary. That's Luke one forty one. Uh, David asks, "How can the ark of the covenant come to me?" That's in 2 Samuel 6:9. Elizabeth asks, "Why is this granted me that the mother of my Lord should come to me?" Luke 1:43. Uh, David shouts in the presence of the ark, Second Samuel 6:15. Elizabeth exclaimed with a loud cry in the presence of Mary, Luke 1:42. The ark remained in the house of Obed-edom for three months second Samuel 6:11. Mary remained in the house of Elizabeth for three months, Luke 1:56. Uh, the house of Obed Edom was blessed by the presence of the ark. That's second Samuel 6:11. And the word blessed is used three times. surely the house was blessed by God. Luke 1:39 through45. And then the last one here, um, the ark returns to its home and ends up in Jerusalem where God's presence and glory is revealed in the temple. That's 2 Samuel six twelve and 1 Kings 8 9 through 11. And uh, Mary returns home and eventually ends up in Jerusalem where she presents God incarnate in the temple. Luke 1 56 and Luke 2 21 and 22. So there's a lot more um, connection and reference between the Ark of the Old Covenant. Um, and Mary being the Ark of the New Covenant. So there's a couple of distinctions, like, uh, there's the Ark of the Covenant. There's also Eve, like, through, through Eve's decision, uh, there's a quote, and I can't remember exactly, but it goes something like, through Eve's, um, decision to sin, she brought sin to the whole world, and through Mary's decision to say yes to the Annunciation, she brought salvation to the whole world, um. So we also call Mary the New Eve, right? They're the second Eve, just like Jesus is the second Adam. Um, so there's a lot of connection between the Old Testament and the Ark of the Covenant and Eve and Mary and the New Ark of the Covenant, and um, there's there's a lot of connection, and it's very very uh, neat to look at the 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 how close you know. Maybe it's just coincidence, but I don't know. I don't believe in coincidence and I think that probably you shouldn't either <laughs> or maybe you don't. Like I think we all believe that like God has a plan and a purpose for things and things don't just like happen to happen, but God sets things up for a reason and it just to me seems a little it seems too close to just be like, "Oh, it just that's just how it happened to happen with uh Mary." And and the Ark of the Old Covenant, like the connection between the two, um, but yeah, that that's a brief-ish uh, <laughs> description of of like what we believe as Catholics um, on Mary. And like I said, I love Mary. Uh, I love all the like the prayers and devotions and different things to Mary. Um, they're great, and I think they're great because I personally have seen how much like. Uh, if you, I I guess the way I could say it is if you give yourself to Mary, she will point you even more to Jesus. Like I was saying earlier, the more that I understood the Marian dogmas, the more I understood the love that God has for us. Um, so yeah, look, look, I look more into the Marian dogmas is what I would suggest and pray about it and ask God to show you the truth. And he will, uh, that's what he's done for me. Um, and my, faith and love for God and Jesus has been deepened even more than I ever thought it could be and I don't think I can attribute that to anything other than Mary the mother of God. All right. Well, thank you again for listening in to this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. Like I said, Marian dogmas were one of the hardest things for me to understand and and agree to when I was a Protestant. So if you don't agree with Marian dogmas, I don't think that like this one podcast is going to change your mind forever, but at least maybe, maybe it kind of sheds some light on, um, like you know, I always try to break down some of the barriers that I know I had looking into Catholicism. So hopefully it kind of sheds some light on what we believe as Catholics as far as Mary goes. Um, So if you enjoyed this, please feel free to uh, rate it or uh, write a review. Like if you, if this has been helpful for you, then yeah, just put that in a review real quick, wherever you're listening to this. Uh, I know ratings and reviews help like people, more people see the podcast. Also, uh, sharing it with friends and family is a great way for more people to see the podcast that maybe this could be helpful for. Um, So share it along with whoever, if there's someone that you think this may be helpful for, uh, feel free to share it with whoever. And then if you ever want to get in touch with me directly, I'm happy to talk more about this kind of stuff. I could talk more about all kinds of Catholic doctrines for hours on end. Uh, You can send me an email to unapologeticallycatholicpod at gmail.com. Um, and I'd be happy to talk to you there, or if you prefer, uh, we, you can reach out to me on Instagram, or if you're not following us there already, then feel free to, that'd be great if you'd follow us there. Uh, it's on Instagram, it's at unapologetically Catholic pod. Um, but yeah, uh, as always, I'll be praying for you and may God bless you.